stand. How y'all doing tonight? I literally saw one person give a, a literal, like an actual golf clap. When I said, how y'all doing? I saw one person do this. That is called a golf clap. I'm going to ask one more time, DSM. How are you guys doing tonight, man? Yeah. Yes. As always, we want to welcome our VIPs. These are very important people because they are our first time checking DSM out. So can we give some of them the same type of love you just gave right now? Let's give them some love right now. One, two, three, go. Okay, not bad, not bad. All right. And then, of course, on podcasts. So if you don't know this, we're on iTunes. You can listen to this. You can share this sermon with your friends. Like I always say, you can relive the magic, although that's not theologically accurate. But you can go to iTunes to download it. But we want to welcome to those who are listening all over the country, actually all over the world, listening to DSM right now. So can we give them some love right now and welcome them as well to DSM? Yes. So tonight... We're finishing up week two of the series. It's just a two-week series, a little baby series, because next week is DSM by DSM, and that's going to be so amazing. You guys have been working so hard, coming up, auditioning, going to be leading the worship. So let me tell you, if there was ever a time to be able to invite your friends to see what DSM is about, why don't you bring them, obviously, when it's nothing but student-led. I think that would be amazing. So bring your friends next week and just see what God does through these amazing students, which is you guys. So... With that said, we started a brand new series last week called Stand. And if you remember last week, we kind of opened up, and this has kind of been our theme verse, but it's in Joshua 1.9, and it's tattooed on my arm, literally, where it says this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Everybody say courageous. Oh, so weak. Okay. Let's try that one more time. This is my command, says the Lord. Be strong and courageous. There we go. Do not be what? Don't be Okay, this is important because fear will keep you from pursuing and experiencing God's purpose and destiny for your life. He's telling Joshua, listen Joshua, I have called you out. I have singled you out. You're going to be the one to be the leader of Israel. But I'm going to tell you right now, Joshua, with the calling will come giants. With your calling, there's going to become challenges in your path. And there's going to be times, Joshua, that you're going to be scared. God understands that this is an element in our lives as Christians. And so we think sometimes that when God calls us to do something, that it's going to be fear-free. We could be just uh, totally at 100%. But the fact is, is that God is telling you through me, through this series, that you're going to face things that are going to scare you to death. But he says, oh, be strong and courageous, though. Trust me on this one. Don't get, to, don't get afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's when we lose our awareness of God in our lives, it's when we begin to look around and we start getting scared because we feel outnumbered. It's when we begin to forget who he is, we begin to forget who we are. And then we allow the enemy to come in, we allow our peers, we allow culture to come in and begin to try to put these other types of labels on us because we're fearful of not being loved. We're fearful of not being accepted. We're fearful of missing out. We're fearful that we're going to look stupid. And so we have to begin to like start to build this little hedge around us to protect us because we've forgotten who God is and as a result we've forgotten who we are and as a result of that we begin to put way more emphasis and even worship on our giants. Some of you into here tonight are not worshiping God right now. You're worshiping your giant. You have given it more power and worth and worth ship 
to your giant than you do God. Are we giant worshipers or guys, are we God worshipers? The front row is filled with the Holy Spirit. The rest of y'all, y'all need to catch up. Here's the thing, fear is so crazy because it's not just the human condition, it's like anything that's alive has this element of fear. They, they struggle with fear. I'll give you an example. So a little while ago, I was speaking in Texas, and I was finishing up this retreat, and this road is like an eight-mile road, and it's a dirt road, and I had to catch my plane, or I had to get to the next thing the next morning, so I'm driving in. I was done with the retreat. It's middle. It's like so dark out there. It's like no lights, all stars, and I'm driving this little dirt road in my Honda, okay, and I'm driving, and if you don't know how it works in Texas, so we have these deer that are unlike any other deer on planet Earth because these deer are the most stupid animals on planet Earth. You're like, oh no, David, they're so sweet and cute. No, not when they're flying through your windshield because they, they're too scared to move, okay? Let me explain to you what happened to me. So I'm, I had a, we had a powerful night. God moved powerly, powerfully in this retreat, so I'm driving, and I'm kind of zoning out, and I could just see as far as my headlights, and I'm just driving this dirt road. I got eight miles before I get to the highway. I'm just like, wow, God, you moved so mightily this weekend. Oh, God, oh, that conversation with that student, man, it was good. Oh, my gosh, there's a deer right in front of me. It was literally like that. I was zoned out, and then there's this deer, and I saw him do this. He was on the side, and I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a deer. And he literally, I'm going too fast. He go, walks out like there's nothing going. This is my best deer walk, by the way. He's walking like this. And then he sees me. Right at the moment, I kind of see him. He's in the middle of the road, and he goes, and he doesn't move. Now, I have a decision to make, y'all. Do I floor it and just smack him off the road, or do I slam on the brakes and potentially have him come through my windshield? These are my choices. I was just serving the Lord 20 minutes ago, and now I'm faced with a dilemma like this, right? I chose to slam on my brakes, but it's on dirt, it's on this gravel, and so I just start sliding, and I see him, and his face is like this. And I'm like, you're an idiot, you're about to die. You know, everything slows down in this moment, right? Now, I don't know what the deer was thinking, but everything really did slow down in this moment. And I could just imagine, if I got in the deer's head, he's looking at these headlights coming towards him, going, this is my worst fear come true. I've lost four uncles and two aunts both my parents and my pet dog to a car hitting them and they're dying. No, it's happening to me, but I, he couldn't move. He wouldn't move. He was paralyzed. Well, sure enough, boom. Antlers, feet, antlers, feet, antlers, feet. He was just rolling. I think he's still rolling, actually. I'm like, how many times is this thing going to roll, right? Because now there's dust everywhere. And I just, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just totally wrecked my car. And what about this deer? So I get out of the car. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black. It's just me, the Lord, and this deer, okay? I get out, and I look at the deer, and I go up to him, and he's laying there, and he's starting to bleed. He's like, oh, oh. And I'm like, oh, bro. And I felt so, I was like, I was just thinking, why? You just could have stayed on the side of the road, and we'd be cool. But no. And I was just looking at him, and guys, I swear, now imagine, it's kind of funny, we're like, we wouldn't be scared now, but imagine you're by yourself, you just got freaked out, you just hit a deer, he's laying on the ground, you're out by, and you're looking, 
all of a sudden he pops up in the air. He and I'm like, oh my gosh, now he's going to kill me. He's got his horns, you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Dude, he ran off into the woods. I don't know what happened to him. But I got back in my car and I just kind of looked at my pants. And yes, I urinated myself. And it was just, no, I'm just kidding. That wasn't in my notes. Now I'm going to get a letter from one of your parents. All right, it's all good. Here's, the, here's my point. The whole rest of the hour and a half that I was driving home, because we're out in the middle of nowhere, I couldn't stop thinking about that dumb deer. I was just like, but isn't that like us is what I kind of landed on. I realized this is what we do. Like there's literally there's this instinct within all of us. Physiologically, it's called fight or flight, okay? And that one of us has a stronger side than the other. So some of us, what, like when you get into an argument with your friend or you're getting into a heated debate with somebody, some of you, you just literally, you shut down. You just go. We're just like, and you're like, I don't know what to say right now. But you're one of those types of people that three days later, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, I just thought of the best comeback line, but it's way too late. It's not that you're bad or deficient, it's just you are more, <laughs> you're less fight and you're more flight. And what that means is, is that you want to run the other way. But then there's crazy people like me who goes, bring it on! Right? And I'm that kind of guy. And so I'm more of a fight guy. Here's what happens in both cases. Physiologically, when we become in this moment with the adrenaline is surging, fear is there, blood literally, it's, it's the Lord, the way the Lord's made us is amazing. Blood leaves our brains and they go to our extremities. They go to our feet and to our hands because you're going to do one of two things. Either you're going to run really, really fast and you need all the blood that you can get or you're going to be hitting things. And you need blood in your extremities in that regard as well. Right? fight or flight. In life as a Christian, I cannot begin to tell you just how often I am fearful. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. How many of you all struggle with, I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but some of you struggle with anxiety. And what that is really, it's a constant drip of adrenaline. Your body is constantly in this fight or flight mode. And it's affecting you physically. It's, it's affecting you mentally. It can affect you spiritually because we can't put our finger on what we're afraid of. So we say, well, it's not fear. I'm not necessarily afraid of anything, but I'm, I'm, I actually I, I struggle with anxiety or I struggle with depression or I struggle with um, controlling the issues. They're controlling. I'm a controlling person. If you peel back those layers, what you will find at the very base root of it, at the very base root of it, everybody say base root of it and say it to this little group over here. Say base root. Hey guys, welcome to DSM. Thank you. It's becoming a weekly thing. I'm going to miss it when it doesn't happen. I love getting distracted. So it's the thing where literally you want to control. If you pull it all the way back at the base of it, what you will find is fear. What you will find is fear. Can I preach tonight? Is that cool? I love you guys. But seriously, y'all need to pay attention because you're distracting the preacher. Cool? I love you guys. And just know that when I say that, when I call people out, I'm not trying to be a jerk. But how many of y'all need to hear from Jesus tonight? Okay, come on. All right. So let's get our game faces on, okay? I love you guys. No, no harm. If I could hug you right now, I would. But let's focus on Jesus right now. Let's say you and I are at Starbucks. And we're sitting there, and you're like, David, you know what? You've been talking about fear the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to be honest, man. I, I do struggle with fear. 
How many, I wouldn't ask you what your fear is, but how many of y'all would say tonight, you, you're struggling with some fears in your life? Let me just see a show of hands. Like there's specific things that you're afraid of, right? If you said, well, David, before I tell you, I want you to tell me what you're afraid of, I'd be like, dude, all right, I'm afraid of heights. Any, anybody afraid of heights in here? Like, no, 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 like I, I would win. I'm not kidding. Like, being on this stage is a little too high for me, okay? I, I'm, I'm, like, almost exaggerating. I'm so afraid of heights, and I didn't get that phobia until I married my wife. I somehow inherited some of her phobias because before that, I wanted to jump out of airplanes. I wanted to, like, do skydiving. I wanted to be a firefighter. And so I'd like, that was amazing to climb up a 50-story building and save people. Not no more. Nope. I want to be right on the ground, right on the ground. Another irrational fear is snakes. Anybody got an issue with some snakes in here? I hate snakes with all of my heart, mind, and soul. I'm not even exaggerating. A good snake is a dead snake, in my opinion. Like, I get so freaked out on snakes. My daughter, a couple months ago, she, uh, she downloaded Snake.io. You know that little game? I was like, delete it. Oh, what, how do, what, what's it, what the cool kids call it? What do they call it? Oh, it is Snake.io. Thank you very much. I heard some scoffers in the house. Making fun of the fact that I call them wheezies instead of, yeah, never mind. All right, so anyway, but we all got fears. Big ones, small ones, seasonal fears, fears that you only get on Tuesday. Maybe for you, you would say, David, if I'm going to be really honest, I'm fearful of being rejected again. David, if I was going to be really honest, I would say I'm really afraid that my parents are going to get divorced. Things aren't good at my house. And I'm afraid. David, if I'm being honest, I do have a fear of missing out. Fear of being judged. Some of you walked in this room tonight and you were just like, you debated all day. I don't know if I want to go to DSM because I don't want to get judged. I hear you. Fear of messing up your future. Anybody afraid of messing up your future? Said every student in the world, right? Being bullied. Fear of getting busted for that thing that you haven't stopped doing yet. Fear. My point is, is we all deal with it, starting with your youth pastor. I struggle with fear all the time. What do we do with this? Well, this is what I would want to tell you right up on the front, front end of things. Fear always paralyzes us. You've got to understand what fear does. It freezes us. Everybody say freeze. And go on and put that slide up. Fear always paralyzes us. But it never what? Have you noticed that? Like anytime you're afraid, it doesn't make you better, it makes you worse. You know, fear is a robber, but it wears masks. And it does show up in anxiety and depression and control. Like I, I deal, I like, listen, I got a lot of friends who are raising kids, and sometimes I'll listen to them over dinner, and this is how they'll be talking. They'll be like, you know, um, my, my child, you know, the, I mean, I just really want them to do this. And, oh, I really, I hope this happens for my kid. And, oh, I hope that my child stays away from this. And, oh, I just, right? And that's good normal parent stuff. Don't get me wrong. I do the same thing. But I've learned that potentially at the bottom of that is you have a fearful parent. Their fear of screwing you guys up. 
But they're also fearful that you're going to make bad choices, or they're fearful that bad choices are going to be done against you. And they're going to be fearful that you're not going to get into the college that they want you to get into. They're fearful that your GPA is going to fall too low, and then the other people in their friend groups are going to begin to judge them and say that they're not good parents, and they're fearful about people's opinions of them. And then maybe you even come to church, and you're fearful, like, oh, I better act like I'm extra spiritual, because even though I'm not feeling it right now, I'm fearful that people are going to judge me and think that I don't love God, and I'm fearful that maybe God doesn't love me because I'm not feeling it right now. Do you see how fear finds its way to get into all of our lives and minds? Fear messes with us. It steals our sleep. It steals our joy. It steals our peace. It steals our faith. It steals our identity. It keeps us from living out our purpose and destiny. Fear causes us to hide. Have you noticed that our fears have this massive appetite? And it's like the more we feed our fears, the more hungry they become. So what I would tell you is in my experience is this. One of the most effective ways to overcome fear in your life, you ready for this? Isn't feeding them anymore, but facing them. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to be 46 years old this year, and I'm just now starting to figure this out, guys. Seriously. Like, I've, I've fed my fears for so long, mine showed up as OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. It ruled my life for like 20 years. Fear-based. I was fearful that if, that if I didn't turn the doorknob the right way, or I didn't turn the switch up and down four different times in a row, or whatever weird things, that something bad would happen. It was fear-based. It messed me up, and it's messing too many of you guys up. And what I'm here to tell you is just like David, and as we're about to learn tonight with Gideon, that the only way to overcome your fear is to no longer feed it, no longer worship it, no longer give it more power than what it's got, but to be able to stand and show up. We got to start showing up and standing against our fears instead of letting them tell us how to live our lives. Y'all ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, God, that you would remove the spirit of fear. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in our limited time, God, that, Father, that you would begin to chop the head off of the spirit of fear that is over this region in Colorado Springs specifically and in the minds and the hearts of these students and the parents that are trying so hard to raise them. We are no longer slaves to fear in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, take your word and only do with it what you only you can by your Holy Spirit as he sings. Amen. So there's this dude named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. I love this story so much. Gideon, let me give you some background on this kid. He's a teenager, just like you. And there's this group of people who absolutely hate Gideon's nation with a sick passion, okay? Gideon lives in Israel, and he's a teenager, like I said, and this group of Midianites, everybody say Midianites, it sounds like a bug. Like you would call the exterminator, yeah, can you get rid of the Midianites in our house? Yeah, they're like, right? So the Midianites are completely terrorizing the nation of Israel. Gideon is just trying to get through puberty, okay? He's just trying to get through his day without embarrassing himself. And y'all know what he's, right? You feel that. You just want to get through school without embarrassing yourself. Gideon's just a teenage kid just like you guys. But he's living in this situation where they're absolutely being terrorized. So let's look at Gideon's life and what a normal day looked like for him. Scripture says this, Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So here's what I want to let you know. The Lord doesn't want to squash anybody like a bug. But when we constantly, defiantly stiff-arm the Lord, he will allow the results of our sin to show us that we really need him more than we realized. 
We need him more than we need the sin in our lives. They're learning this. It's a hard lesson, guys. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. So Gideon's probably three years old when the Midianites show up. So now we got seven years. Maybe he's five years old. But all we know is he's a young teenage boy, and they were so cruel. Everybody say so cruel. That the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. So imagine us. We live in Colorado Springs. The Midianites invade. They're like brutalizing us. They're killing our mothers and our fathers. They're, they're abusing our sisters. And we're like, oh my gosh. And they're taking our food. What we would probably do is we would run towards Pike, Pikes Peak and find a place in those ma- mountain range over there to hide out. Because we don't want to die. This is, this is his life. And so whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. So the moment they plant some corn, y'all, and they water it a little bit, and they go like, oh, sweet, we got some corn coming up. The Midianites would go, excuse us, that belongs to us. Okay? They would camp in the land, and they would destroy their crops as far as away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing. Say Nothing. Fear, guys, is leaving too many of you tonight with nothing. You've given it so much power, so much authority in your life, you have nothing left. It's taken everything from you. We're seeing the personification of that here. They took their sheep, their goats, their cattle, their donkeys. I wish they'd taken the deer in Texas. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and their tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to even count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bear. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. So not only are they not getting to go to Taco Bell, not only are they not getting to go to Chick-fil-A, they're not getting anything. And they're starving to death. This is a dire, impossible situation. So Israel was the richest nation on the planet. And now it's the poorest. They have been broken down. The enemy is terrorizing and starving Gideon's country slowly, just like fear does to us. Fear will destroy you slowly. Fear is like a python, and it will slowly wrap itself around you and begin to squeeze the life out of you. Fear is patient. Fear will take its time, whatever it takes, to put you down. And then you become paralyzed. And this is what we're seeing. So one day, everybody say one day. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. Not Oprah Winfrey, Ophrah, which belonged to the Joash and the clan of Ebenezer. Okay, so Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Get this picture. Little teenage boy. He's got pimples. He's just trying to get through his day without getting murdered or embarrassing himself in front of that girl he's got a crush on. And he's down, and he's trying to thresh some wheat just so his family can have a little bit of bread to make. He's hiding. He's freaked out. He has every reason to be, by the way. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. What? Hold on. Who's paying attention to Gideon? This is God's nation being brutalized. Gideon's just trying to do his thing. He's a scared little kid. But an angel of the Lord shows up, and this is what he says to him. First words out of the angel's mouth. Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Mighty hero? Is this what we just learned about Gideon? Like, did you think mighty hero when I was sharing a little bit of background about him? No, he's just this little teenage kid. But the angel calls him that. Why? 
it's almost, now this is not based, this is just me, okay? But it's almost like the angel's calling Gideon what Gideon is called in heaven. Like when God looks at Gideon, he doesn't see the name Gideon. That's an earthly name. He goes, hey, uh, angel of the Lord, I need you to come here. I need you to go down to Mighty Hero. I need you to talk to him. Oh, yeah, I know who Mighty Hero is. How would we live if we were no longer David and Lisa and Billy Bob and Jill and Jessica? And if we got a Billy Bob in the house tonight, you are so welcome to be here. We are so thrilled to have you. Give it up for the Billy Bob that doesn't exist. Yes. (laughs) All right. But imagine you're no longer Bo. You're no longer David. You're no longer these names. But when God looks at you, he doesn't call you by your, your earthly name. He says, oh, there's Overcomer right there. Oh, there's Mighty One right there. Oh, here's the Conqueror. Right? How would we live if we knew what our name was called in heaven? You see, names matter. And the names you call yourself, if they don't align and they don't sound like Mighty Hero, Overcomer, Conquering One, Strong One, Mighty Woman of God, Man of God, when those aren't the names that you tell yourself in your quieter moments, and instead you want to call yourself pervert, pornographer, manipulator, fake, phony, mask wearer, idiot, stupid, whatever it is, you got to understand The enemy is trying to rename you because he knows what your real name is. And if you find out what your real name is in the eyes of God, watch out. Because he is affirming Gideon. He's saying, oh no, you're a mighty hero. You see, what I love about Gideon is that he doesn't know what he can do. Why? Because he's afraid. Fear is all he can see. Fear is all that's around him. It's hard to see God in the middle of fear. I want to let you know something. Fear isn't just in your life to scare you. Fear is in your life to redefine you. Did you all hear that? That's something worth writing down because fear will try to redefine you. That is part of the process of fear in our lives. Because we begin to look at what we're not. Fear will point out your deficits. Fear will say you don't have what it takes. Fear says that you're this, you're that. You're lacking this issue. You're lacking this gift. And fear begins to point out our deficits and we begin to want to rename and redefine ourselves. But how in the world could this angel call this little teenage boy who's hiding in a cave a mighty hero? What I love about God and what I love about youth ministry is this. And this is what I tell people who volunteer for our home team. We have been given the gift to be able to see something in you you're not able to yet see in yourself. That's one of the greatest gifts of youth ministry for me, is sitting in those Starbucks with you, sitting in my office with you, sitting on this stage with you, looking into this insecure teenager, and I go, they have no idea what God's going to do through them. They have no idea what I see in them, and you don't, but I see it. And when God's looking at Gideon, he doesn't see the scared little boy, he sees a mighty hero. The Lord is with you tonight, DSM. The Lord is with you. God is with you. God is for you. And it's not just because you've had four quiet times in a row this week. It's because God has already defined you and he's called you his child. And you belong to him and he loves you. And he's here to fight your battles. Maybe as you sit here, you want to believe that God wants to do something awesome through you. But as soon as that happened, have you noticed, maybe if you're like me, 
you're like, okay, yeah, I'm Gideon in the story. I could get up. I could do cool stuff. I'm David in the Bible. That's totally cool, right? But have you noticed the moment you go to school the next day? Or the moment you get home and you're like, God said, text your friend and tell him about Jesus or whatever it is. All of a sudden, the reasons why you're not qualified to start to pop up like popcorn. You know what I'm talking? No, oh, really? Just me? Just the youth pastor? Okay, me, me and you? Okay, that's cool. Yes, I see that hand. Hallelujah. In fact, this is what Gideon says back to the angel. Now, Gideon, he may be scared, but he's not scared to like say, no, I don't think so, angel. It's crazy. We will say, God, no, you're wrong. But we say to the giant, you are 100% right. Isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of messed up? We agree with the giant. We tell God he's wrong. You're already messed up. Sir, is what Gideon calls the, uh, the angel of the Lord. Sir? Sir? <laughs> I love that. Sir? Gideon replied. Heavy question he's about to ask, though. If the Lord's with us, then why has all of this happened to us? He doesn't care about me calling a mighty hero. Oh, good. All right. Great. I'm a mighty hero. Some of you are hearing this tonight. You're like, great. Okay, whatever. I'm a conqueror. I'm an over. Uh, but, you know, Dave, why has all this crap happened in my life? What do you do with a question like that? Can I tell you something? I don't want DSM to ever be a, a youth group that runs from hard questions like that. Because those are real questions. Gideon is able to look to God and the angel, this angel Hey, okay, well, you know what? Now that you're here, let me ask a quick question. Why has all this happened to us? It doesn't seem right. And where are all the miracles that our ancestors have told us about? Some of you are in here, you're like, you know what? Why is all this happening in my family's life? And where are all the miracles that everybody else is getting except for us? Anybody in here feel like that tonight? It goes on to, now Gideon's on a little bit of a rant. He says, and didn't they say, the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But angel of the Lord, now the Lord has abandoned us and he's handed us over to the Midianites. We're in a, we're in a bad situation. We don't see God in any of this. So don't tell me to just have faith and push on through. Don't give me a sermon on a podcast from DSM. My life is a mess. But sir, if the Lord is with us. He says, why has all of this happened to us? If God is with us, then why is everything going so bad in our lives? And some of you are asking this question, but you're too afraid to say it out loud in your cadres, or even with me, or with your more spiritual friends in here, because you don't want to get judged to being, well, where's your faith? Aren't you filled with the Holy Spirit? You should not think things like that. You know that God, right, 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 and you're afraid of getting one of those kind of speeches when you know darn good and well the stuff that you're going through is real, and it's bad, and there aren't easy answers, and there's not just a Jesus will fix it kind of answer that's going to work in your situation. I'm here to tell you it's complicated, isn't it? And for some of you, you're trying to reconcile these two things together, and you're getting tired, and you're getting afraid, and you don't feel like God's going to show up in your life anymore. Well, let's find out what happens. He's saying, God, if you're so awesome, why is all this happening to me? God, if your word is really true, how come I have a, such a hard time believing it in this season in my life? God, when I pray, if you're supposed to answer prayers, how come it seems like whenever I pray, nothing happens? And as a matter of fact, God, when I pray for things, it seems like the opposite thing takes place. 
Is this too real for DSM tonight? Okay, can I keep going? If it's not for you, it's for a friend, right? Okay, cool. How come it seems like good people experience pain, but the people who are the biggest jerks at your school are advancing? They're getting the good grades. They're getting the good cars. They're getting the hot girl, the hot guy. The coach doesn't see what you see. You're like, why them? I'm doing everything right. I show up and listen to a hyper bald guy every Wednesday night talk. God, if you're really there, why are these things happening? Gideon, like so many of us, they start to question God's faithfulness. That's what we're doing in that moment. But I want to let you know something. It's okay to ask those questions. Can I just let you off the hook tonight and let you know it is 100% cool to ask those questions the only problem is, is if you're in a place of why tonight, and you're afraid, and you can't see your way out through the situation, stop asking the question of why to your peers. Stop asking the question of why even to me. I'd be happy to listen to you, but you've got to take this question to where it belongs, and it goes to God. You've got to start asking God these questions because we're not going to give you the answer that you're looking for. We see through a glass darkly. We prophesy in part. We don't see the whole picture. But the one who's destined you for greatness, who knew that the situation was going to be in your life, talk to him because he's written every page of your life before the first one was lived. So go to the author and say, how does this story work out? Why did you write this part of the story where I would go, where are you? He will show you. He will show you he's faithful. But Gideon has another insecurity besides fear. He's also afraid that he's not good enough. Anybody in here sometimes don't feel like you're good enough? Good enough? Man, that's constantly me. Constantly me. So he goes and he tells the angel of the Lord, he's like, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? Because what we're finding out is that he's saying you're going to save all of Israel, right? He's like, how can I do that? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. You know what we just find out about Gideon? He's literally the weakest person in all of Israel. Like, there's none weaker, okay? Like, this is it. He's like, dude, you don't understand. I'm in the weakest tribe, and I'm the weakest person in the weakest tribe. Why are you talking to me? You think God may be up to something? You, th you think that maybe he's got a plan here? Do you think that maybe he's smiling the whole time that this is going on? That would be my guess. But maybe for you, you're looking at your middle school going, I'm just one person. You're looking at your high school, you're going, I'm just one person. David, you don't understand. I, I, I don't have what it takes. No one pays attention to me at school. I'm the one who gets bullied at school, David. I'm the one whom people make fun of. And you're saying that I'm supposed to be like Gideon and like just, well, hang tight. From a human perspective, Gideon is 100% correct. Isn't that funny? He is the weakest person in all of Israel. He's 100% correct. But we're about to find out that God, when he looks at Gideon, He's 100% wrong. You see, that's why we can't evaluate what we see. We have to evaluate who we are through God's eyes. Because when he says you're a mighty hero, whether you feel like it or not, you are. So let's see, let's see how this works out. I want to let you know that in your life, fear says what if. God says I will. Y'all with me? Fear says what if. God says I will. You see, the Lord said to Gideon, he said, I will be with you, Gideon. This is something you can count on. I will not forsake you. 
I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. What? How can God see this when the weakest kid who's starving to death in all of Israel, he's going to, the strong, well-fed warriors? And he's like, you don't even understand how the battle works spiritually. He's like, see, you got to stop looking at what you don't have. God is like, if I've called you into this, you don't have to be afraid. People will say you're crazy. People will say you're out of your mind. God says, no, you have exactly what you need to be able to defeat an entire army. So Gideon goes, okay, this is obviously you. I'm in, God. What do you want me to do? So he goes out and Gideon recruits 32,000 men. Everybody say 32,000. Yes, yes, for Gideon, this little teenage boy is like, hey guys, you want to go fight the Midianites? God says I'm a mighty hero, right? And so they're like, okay. But these 32,000 raggedy dudes ain't going to cut it. You know why? Because there's over a quarter of a million soldiers in the Midianite army. So 32,000 is impressive until you see a quarter of a million. Let's see what Gideon can do with these guys, though. Well, bless you. Gideon is saying, God, this is a great start. We're moving in the right direction, but we need more people. God says, ah, no, nah, actually, I got another idea. You need less. Gideon's like, what? The Lord said to Gideon, you've got too many warriors with you. Everybody say too many warriors. That is not what you want to hear from the Lord, right? If you're going to defeat a Midianite army, these well-fed, strong, just, just beasts of people, God says, you've got too many warriors to fight these people. He said, here's the problem. He said, Gideon, if I let you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Some of you are losing battles tonight. Some of you are losing battles tonight because you're trying to rely upon your own spiritual strength. You're trying to rely on what God did at Coram Deo in your life. You're still sucking the fumes off of that, and you haven't gone to him for your daily bread. You're trying to use your intellect. You're trying to think your way through your problems. And God is saying, listen, these giants will not be defeated by how smart you are. And if you were able to defeat the giants in your life on your own strength, on your own intellect, on your charm or your looks or how much money your parents have in their accounts, he says, then who would get the glory now? You see... You have to depend upon me if you want to defeat the giants and the armies in your life. When you do awesome things for God in your own talent, your own strength, your own personality, who gets the credit? No, you do. When you try to do it on your own strength. You see, God wants to reveal his power through your weakness. Everybody say weakness. Moment of transparency. Let's see. An hour ago. I'm in my office, I'm on my knees, and this is what I told the Lord. Lord, I don't have what it takes tonight to, to preach a sermon. Like seriously, I haven't been sleeping that good the last couple of nights, I'm tired. I don't feel that like fired up about God tonight. I felt better a little bit after the worship and after my boy Abe prayed for me, but I just wasn't feeling it today. I still gotta preach to you guys, you showed up. So I'm like, God, anything good that happens tonight is going to be because of you, and it's not going to be because of me because I don't have much to bring tonight. And I kind of like it like that. So if you don't like the sermon, blame God. Here we go. God wants to reveal his power through Gideon. 
So verse 3, therefore, tell the people, he says, whoever's timid or afraid, everybody say afraid. Oh, see, the Lord's calling. He said, I don't want any afraid people fighting. I don't need them. Get them out of here right now. If they're timid, if they're afraid, send them home. They can leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Fight or flight. Fight or flight, right? They flew. They're gone. All right, man, but I still got 10,000. Okay, all right, 10,000 is a lot. We can, we can try to do something here. It ain't 32,000, but it's better than nothing. But the Lord's told Gideon, eh, no, there's still too many, actually. What are you doing? Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go out with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In the one group, put all of those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. Put them in one group. In the other group, put all of those who kneeled down and drank the water with their mouths from the stream. Oh, no. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands like dogs. I think good manners would say that we should probably be drinking out of the water with our mouths. But no, God says, I want the dog kind. I want the, I want the dogs. Oh, oh, you mean I get the sticker? Yes, yes, only 300 of you. And all of the others got down on their knees and they drank with their mouths from the stream. And so Gideon goes from 32,000 down to 300 men, okay? And I'm sure when Gideon is standing there, this little weak, little pipsqueak kid who's just wanted to do what God, I'm a mighty hero, that's what he said. And he sees 9,700 of his last warriors leave. And these other dog drinking water dudes 300 raggedy, non-manner-having dudes are like, oh, well, we stuck around. If I'm Gideon, how many of y'all would just go, dude, I am so dead. I, I will die today, right? Yes, yeah, totally, right? But God knows Gideon. Everybody says God knows Gideon. You see, God's not messing with Gideon here. You see, you think God may be messing with you, but he's got a plan. There's something he's doing here, but he knows Gideon's freaking out. But he's still showing up, and he's standing. You see, that's how you defeat an army, is you show up and you stand as a God follower. You show up and you stand. So Gideon's not running, but he knows Gideon. So he says, hey, bro, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. I'm going to let you know how this is going to turn out. Cool? He says, if you're afraid to attack Gideon, Go down to the camp with your servant, Pira. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. And then you're going to be eager to attack. All right. So what I'm about to share with you, because we're in Colorado, I'm just going to be honest with you. What we're about to read, it sounds like stoner talk. Okay? What I mean is like, bro, bro, I had this dream. You did? Yeah. Listen, listen to this. I'm not being irreverent. I'm just saying this sounds like stoner talk to me. But they're not God followers, so we can, mis we can characterize them this way. So Gideon took Pira and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Now Gideon, check this out. He creeps up just as the man was telling his companion about a dream he had. The man said, oh, bro, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down on the Midianite camp. It's like this killer loaf of bread, and it just started tumbling down, and it wiped us all out. It hit a tent, oh, and it turned it over, and it knocked it flat, bro. His companion, who was clearly sober, answered, he said, your dream 
can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over the Midian and its allies, stupid. This wasn't a weird dream about bread. We're dead. Gideon hears this and he's fired up. He's like, bring it on. So here we go. We're about to see 200,000 of the Midianites who've been terrorizing Israel for seven years with the weakest guy in Israel have victory. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. There's no swords, there's no guns, there's no bazookas. We got fire and a clay pot, y'all. And then he said to him, he's like, all right, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, just do as I do. And as soon as I do, blow, blow those ram's horns, blow your horns, blow those trumpets, band kids, because I'm telling you, something's going to happen. And all around the entire camp, and shout this, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon is like fired up. He's like, yeah, me and God, we got this. I'm a mighty hero. Shout it out. And it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard. And when Gideon, the hundred men with him, reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew their ram's hordes and they broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars too. Guys, they're blowing horns and they're breaking glass. This is not how you fight armies in case you don't know. They're like, huh, fire, huh, broken stuff. We got this. But they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And each man stood his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. They got freaked out. When the 300 Israelites blew their horns and ram's horns and the Lord, what happened is the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their own swords. Gideon and his raggedy 300 dudes, guys, just showed up and they stood. And they broke a clay pot and they, held a, they blew a trumpet and they held a torch. That's all they did. And then all 200,000 of these Midianite terrorists go, oh yeah? What, you got a problem with me? They're killing each other. God is so amazing. Each man stood in his position around the camp and watched all the Midianites rush around. And they killed each other with their swords. And then the Israelites said to Gideon, be our ruler. Oh my gosh, you're so amazing. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers for you've rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you. Who's getting the credit? Who's about to get credit here? You see, this could have been a temptation for him. That's right. I wiped him out with 300 of my boys. But he says, no, I will not be your ruler. I will not be your ruler. You? No, no, no. No, my son won't either. No, the Lord's going to rule over you. That is the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. This is what happens when you stand and show up. That's all you got to do, guys. We got to stop looking to one another to fix these giants when it's God who is the ultimate giant killer. He looks at you, he says, mighty hero, I've got this. Just show up and stand. Is this the same scared punk we saw at the beginning of the story? You see, this is what happens when we stop giving all the credit and all the power and all the glory and all of our worship and to get the best to our giants and our armies. And we reappropriate them to the one who already holds the victory in his hand, Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know what your giant is, but I want to let you know something. I understand your circumstances may say to you, be afraid. 
But God would want me to tell you tonight is be faithful. Just be faithful. At some point, he was real enough to you to where you're like, I trust you. Right? Maybe tonight is the night that you rediscover what God wants to do in your life. And so as the band comes up, can I just speak a couple of, can I give you a torch? Can I give you a quick trumpet? Can I give you a little clay pot for you to take out tonight for those of you who are struggling with fear as we wrap this series up? You see Romans 8.15, open up your hands, it's just in your seat, and open up your hands. Because every single one of you is struggling with fear. The adults in here and the students. We all got fears, we're afraid of stuff, I'm afraid of stuff. Open up your hands to God and receive this. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own. You see, Philippians says, for I can do everything who, through Christ who gives me strength. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. This is you. This is me. This isn't hopeful. This isn't hopefully someday. This is now. This is for you. You are mighty heroes. We are mighty heroes because God has declared us to be mighty heroes. You with me, DSM? Is this the DSM? Is this how we roll? Are we just laid back like this? Or when you hear preaching like this in the word of God, does it stir something in your soul? Or are we so afraid of what people may think that we just keep quiet? I need some people who are willing to drink from the word of God like a dog tonight. Okay? Because God can't do anything with timid and afraid people. So if we want to see your school changed, if you want to see your friends stop worrying about and thinking about suicide, guys, if you want to stop struggling with that giant in your life or that Midianite army, if you want to see victory in your homes with your parents and all the stuff that's causing you to freak out, we got to lose our timidity. We've got to take off the stupid masks. We're not fooling anybody but ourselves. How many of y'all in here tonight know that you need a warrior in your life who can overcome the giants and the armies? Yes? No? Then get up on your feet. Stand. Stand. Show up and stand. Tonight is the night when we begin to act like God really wins stuff. He's not a loser. He doesn't lose battles. We lose battles when we try to fight them in our own strength. We lose battles when we run the other direction because we're afraid. But how many of y'all tonight go, you know what, tonight's the night. I'm going to show up and I'm going to stand. And I want to let you know something. Many times in my life, the greater the fear, the less there is behind it. I'm not joking with you. I wish I had time to tell you what led me up here to Colorado Springs to begin with. I lived in San Antonio for 40 years. God says, go to Manitou Springs. I googled Manitou Springs. I did not want to move to Manitou Springs. Why would I want to bring my family up there? Why would I want to put my family in a place that's known for witchcraft and darkness and Satanism and blood drink and devil stuff? Why? Why would I want to do that when I'm in San Antonio, man? It's nice down there. I was so scared, guys. But you know what the Lord convicted me of and what made the decision the tipping point for me personally? And I didn't know anybody up here either, by the way. And I'm like, God, you're calling us to Colorado, and I don't even know why you want us. Lord, and I told the Lord this. I said, Lord, when we show up and we move into this house that we can't find even to move into, when we show up, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Go out in my front lawn and start swinging a sword and killing witches? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I told God that, and I meant it. And you know what he said? This is not your battle. This isn't yours to fight. 
just show up and stand and watch what happens. I'm your youth pastor tonight because God has proven himself faithful to me. And now I get to tell you, I've lived through it. But you know what he told me? He said, David, you've been acting like a coward. Stop being a coward. And if you say you really love people and lost people, like you've been traveling around the country for three years talking about, why? what about the people of Manitou? They don't deserve the love of God just because they don't vote like you, just because they don't look like you, just because they don't believe like you, just because of whatever. Fear would keep me from Manitou. But God says, have faith and watch. Stand and show up. Guys, you need to stand and show up. We're not cowards. We're not called to be cowards. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So stop looking for peace in your boyfriend and your girlfriend. Stop looking for peace in the amount of likes that you get. Jesus says, I've got a peace that no one in the world can give, but I want to give it to you. And that peace will override the fear that is terrorizing you and your friends tonight. This is where we consecrate ourselves. This is where we begin to intercede and realize that God sees you and he says, mighty hero, you're not who you think you are. The psalmist David said, I prayed to the Lord and he freed me from all of my fears. So tonight what I'm gonna ask you to do is if you're struggling with fear tonight, I want you to lift up your hands tonight. Lift them up. Because tonight in this moment, this is what the sermon is about. This was a lead up to this moment. You ready? I believe in my heart, I'm telling you this, I believe in my heart that right in this moment, the stronghold of fear that is over Colorado Springs, it's going to be broken starting in this room tonight. That's not wishful thinking, that's not revivalist talk. I'm telling you right now, the spirit of fear is already defeated. We need to stop acting like it hasn't. So I want you to raise your hands high and I wanna speak the word of God over you and declare the word of God over you. You see, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. So Father, in the name of Jesus, in and of myself, no fear will ever be defeated. But oh God, in the name of Jesus, because the power of the resurrected Christ, I declare over this group in here, and I declare over Colorado Springs, that the spirit of fear has no place anymore over this town. This is a new day. This is a new season for these students in here. And Father, the spirit of fear will be broken and the chains will fall off tonight because the enemy no longer has authority over the minds and the hearts and the circumstances of those in this room. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? I declare that the Lord is your fortress, protecting you from danger, so why should you tremble? When evil people come to devour you, when enemies come to attack you, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds you, your heart will not be afraid anymore. Even if we are attacked, we will remain confident. We will remain confident. So the one thing that we ask of you, Lord, the one thing that we seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of our life, delighting in your perfections, meditating in your temple, consecrating ourselves, interceding, discovering our passion, discovering our mission and purpose. This is what God has for his children. For he will conceal you there when troubles come. He will hide you in a sanctuary. He will place you out of reach on a high rock. Then, so everybody say then. Keep those hands up, uh-uh, keep them up. Then we will hold our head high above our enemies who surround us. At your sanctuary, oh God, we will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Who's gonna shout with me right now? Come on. 
singing and praising the Lord. Hear us as we pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer us. Our heart has heard you say tonight, come and talk with me. And our heart responds back to you and says, God, I'm coming. So do not turn your back upon us. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been our helper. Don't leave us now. Don't abandon us now, O God of our salvation. Even if our father, even if our mother abandoned us, the Lord will hold us close, right? Teach us how to live, O God. Lead us along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Don't let us fall into their hands, Jesus. For they accuse us of things we've never done. With every breath, they threaten us with violence. And yet, everybody say yet. Say it out loud with me. Yet, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave. Be courageous. Yes, wait patiently on the Lord. Rescue is coming. Just show up and stand. Y'all with me? Yes. As God's children, we're never alone. Fear is overcome by faith. We are defined by who God says we are, not by what we see in the mirror. The key to living fearlessly is to stay close to the one who calls you mighty hero. It's all you got to do. Come what may, it's all you got to do. Say it's all I got to do, Dave. For I, God, hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid anymore for I am here to help you and so I want you to say out loud I receive that truth in the name of Jesus and I want you to say out loud father forgive me for forgetting this father I don't have what it takes but in all things I can do them through Jesus Christ who gives me strength tonight I now lay the spirit of fear at the cross. Fear is a sin. I choose peace. I choose life. And I choose Jesus, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate mighty hero, our God, living Savior who defeated sin, he defeated death, and he defeated hell. So guys, show up and stand. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. We love you. And God, we thank you that the victory is now ours in the name of Jesus. I love you guys. I'll see you next Wednesday.